Hello, everybody. Brian here from Franchise Simply. Welcome to our Franchise Radio Show. And uh, today, we've got a, a fascinating um, guest with us. Um, the title is How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price. And you may say, well, hang on, I'm not buying a business. I'm a franchisor. I'm selling them. Well, I'll tell you what, what we are going to do is share some such valuable information to help you focus on your prospective purchases and help your exiting franchisees as well. So uh, today's guest I have with me is Richard Parker. Richard from the US. He's zoned in on us today. He's been helping people achieve their dreams of owning businesses for over 30 years. So he's a veteran. Um, and he's produced a program which he's sold over 100,000 copies in 80 countries. And it's called How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price. He's also, no doubt about it, a recurring entrepreneur. He's purchased 113, sorry, 113, <laughs> I'll correct that, of his own companies, plus uh, one co-investment. Um, and those businesses have varied from 50,000 to 200 million. So experience across the board. He's well known. He's appeared in Forbes, New York Times, uh, thestreet.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and had over 300 published articles. Um, so quite significant. And I think what's very notable, if you're not familiar with him, Ray Dalio. Ray, Ray is a legendary investor in the US and an investment banker, uh, worth currently around 15 billion US, I believe. So, But uh, Richard worked with him for several years as a mentor to one of Ray Dalio's sons, teaching him the art of buying small business. So no, he wasn't short of capital, I don't suspect. But uh, Richard, thank you so much for coming along. Lovely to have you with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here and I appreciate the introduction. Anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, to, to... No, it would just bore your audience. So no, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot that I don't know, but I tell people I'm not that smart. I'm just old. I've been doing this for a long, long time. So hopefully we can provide some good value to your listeners. Yeah. Look, experience certainly puts wisdom on the head and people's shoulders, doesn't it? Uh, um, Amen to that. Um, okay. So I will at the end give you um, somewhere you can go to get some free information and a lot of knowledge about Richard. But be before that, let's kick into it. So what type of aspiring entrepreneur should consider buying a franchise in your opinion, Richard? So I've been working with buyers, as I mentioned, for three decades. And the, the core of our business is teaching people how to buy existing businesses. But what we come across a lot in the individual's quest to acquire a company is you have people who have the attitude to the right attitude to acquire a business and, and the want and the need, which is more important than the want, but they don't have the skills, the experience, the background to be able to acquire a business and to operate a business. And so we we're able to teach them how to do the acquisition. But when it comes to the actual, the fundamentals of running a business. One thing that we you know, strongly suggest to those individuals who may not bring that pedigree of operational skill to it is to strongly consider a franchise. And you know, it, it's not necessarily a an oxymoron because you could be an entrepreneur looking to acquire franchises, but individuals really need to understand. And where I've seen some disconnect between individuals looking to buy a franchise and those that really have this burning entrepreneurial fire in their belly is individuals who are going to look to acquire a franchise need to understand as I'm sure you've seen over the years, that the point of a franchise is it's got a baked in system that has worked and has demonstrated and proven to work in other locations in many circumstances. And so a, an entrepreneur who's looking to reinvent the wheel and you know embark upon their own marketing um, initiatives or try to change things or have this constant strife to be bigger, better, faster is not necessarily the individual who should be engaged in looking to acquire a franchise. If you've got this entrepreneur, this burning entrepreneurial desire 
desire, meaning to set the world on fire, chances are franchises are not for you. Yeah, absolutely. We've all learned that well. I've seen examples, I think. Uh, no question about that. So so I, I've got an understanding there, the sort of people you think should buy a franchise. And I suppose, you know, they've got the grit and the need, as you say, and adequate capital. It's a fantastic way to go. So you did mention there about, I suppose, really adventurous, ambitious entrepreneurs. But who else shouldn't consider buying a franchise, you know, as a potential business? Well, I think individuals that we talked about briefly, that individuals who are not very good at following rules. Mm. Um, and one thing that I've learned related to the franchise, and we can get in after the type of franchises that I recommend for individuals, is it's very important, and you can speak to this as well, but in my experience, it's very important that a franchisee needs to understand that the brand is everything. That's what they're paying for. They're paying for a system, they're paying for a brand. And what the individual, the, what the individual has to realize is sometimes what's best for the brand may not be best for the individual location. But it's like, it's this is the ultimate team, right? And you have to work for the greater good. So they need to understand that. On the flip side is the individuals that, that are ideal for uh, for franchise ownership are ones that have, again, the, they have the right attitude, they're eager, they have the capital, and they really either lack the confidence or the experience, because there's people who have the experience, but they lack the confidence to be mm -hmm. able to take upon a system that already works and to follow orders. It's not necessarily being a, you know, the, the idea of being a great soldier, because you have to have self-initiative and there's things you have to do on your own. And there, while there is a high element of whole uh, hand-holding, you still have to do the work, right? And so, you know, the individuals, the ones that I believe who are good for, for franchises are those who don't lack the, op who lack the operational experience or confidence. Um, but the, the very important part of this is the ones who shouldn't look to franchise because they'll make a mistake, right? Um, yeah. Because they're just, they're going to find themselves very uncomfortable. They'll be butting heads all the time with the franchisor. And especially in cases in, when there's a new franchise uh, banner, right? And the franchisor themselves is finding their way. They may have a dozen locations, you know, five of them or six of them are corporate and six of them are franchise, but they're finding their way as well. And so as they go through this evolution and build them, you know, they, they work towards building a better brand. There's, you know, sometimes they're flying by the seat of their pants as well, as far as a franchisor is concerned, as we say that in America. And so in those cases where someone is going to not, you know, be overwhelming as far as thinking that they know what's best, the franchisor has to find their way, right? Based on collective understanding from their franchisees. So I think you have a very typical group that um, should be pursuing potential franchises. And to me, those, I recap those as these lack the confidence or the operational experience. And really, if you're going to reduce it to one word of the individuals who shouldn't buy a franchise, pioneers shouldn't be buying franchises, right? Yeah. If you want to be a trailblazer, it, it's, you know what, you're better off to start one that you want to build into a franchise and become a franchisor, but not a franchisee. No. Although I suppose you could take a regional territory or another country or that type of thing, and that might fit that sort of profile. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting topic over the next couple of years, because following the pattern of previous recessions and so forth, from going back in right back to the 70s with the fuel issue there, um, each time we've come out of these recessions, the leading element of it, and it's the first indicator really, a bit like the stock market, the way that reacts, is people looking to buy businesses. A lot of people are going to be pouring out of careers and out of public corporations and, and having lost maybe businesses during the downturn during COVID, they're going to be looking for a business. So I know in the States, I was talking with some people a couple of weeks ago, and they're seeing the biggest resurgence they've ever seen in business purchasing. And I think that this is a time when people should be really conscious of these items that you're sharing with us, because it's so easy to make a, a mistake, particularly if you're a bit desperate and anxious and you're trying to resolve a problem quickly because your own personal cash flow is tight, for example, you know, you don't want to spend all your superannuation. Yeah. You know, and it's a very valid point. Like as I see things right now, I think this is the best time in the last 30 years.
to be buying a business um, mm-hmm. for a whole host of reasons because it's really become a buyer's market. But the on the flip side, it is a good indication. And we know that in America, certainly like funding lenders, third-party lenders are always more favorable to a franchise than, in, than a non-branded business. I mean, for and that's especially important, you know, for for the um, for an individual um, entrepreneur looking to acquire business versus an institutional investor, private equity firms, or you know, a company doing a strategic acquisition. So, I, you know, I I think your um, the evaluation that you've you know, and the some of the indicators that uh, um, business acquisition at the lower market is a real good indicator that the market is recovering. When we say the market, not the stock market, just you know, the economy in general for the average you know person on the street. Yeah, look, people find this hard to understand because it runs contra. I don't know about in the states, but certainly here the media is just piling on negativity. It's unbelievable, and of course, this has a huge impact on people's mindset across the board, and uh, and it really frustrates me because I, I think we're already seeing a little bit of an upturn, and, uh, and yet everyone's in denial, so people don't accept and recognise it. So now is the opportunity, as you said, particularly because I think there is that there is that that time we've got that sort of uh, that space now where someone can get into the market. Opportunities are out there, and franchisors are fairly keen to recruit new people. So it's a great opportunity to, to say, you know, I'll get into franchising. So one interesting thing in our conversation before, Richard, you mentioned, and I, I'm interested in this part of your philosophy. Can you can you tell me if I put you on the spot, why do you believe in buying a franchise resale? Well, from my perspective, and I've done a number of startups in, in my life. I mean, so at this stage in my life, from a personal perspective, I don't have the stomach to do them anymore, in addition to the businesses that I've acquired. But I think buying a resale, you get the opportunity to marry the best of both worlds and those two worlds being a business and a franchise. So because I'm a a huge proponent of buying an existing business, a good business. I'm not a believer in buying distressed businesses or garbage businesses. I think you should be willing to pay a a fair price and buy a good business that could become great with you as the owner and a business that is rock solid and allows you to go in. And in theory, you get the keys on Monday and you can take a paycheck on Friday because everything's in place. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in buying an existing business versus a startup. And I'm not discouraging people to do a startup. I think it's it's great for your great learning if you do it at the right stage in your career. Certain people a little older can't necessarily afford to do that. So let's establish that, you know, I, I'm just a big believer for success that buying an existing business versus a startup is the way to go. And then when it comes to franchises, you know, it's just my opinion that a, a, a franchise is, um, I don't want to say it's a glorified startup, but there's really, it's new, right? So you have the benefit of all these existing locations that are in place and, and a successful franchise. That's how they're able to recruit new franchisees. But the idea that if you want to buy a franchise, well, why not marry the best of both worlds and get a franchise that's already up and running? So you're not going through the, you know, the pain and the gut wrenching of, you know, finding a location, making sure the location, right? Building out the location, hiring staff, and hopefully the people are going to walk through your door. So it is, I mean, it's a startup on turbo. That's my perception, right? Mm -hmm. Versus an existing franchise, which has the brand, has the customers. And when you have one that's already in place, you get all the benefits of an existing business as well. So I think you you marry the best of both worlds. And, and the other thing that I really like about an, uh, a franchise resale, you know, in, in an existing business, one of the most crucial stages of the acquisition is the due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. And for many individuals, it's like a black hole, right? Because the, fi- the, you know, people look at it and say, well, I got to do financial due diligence. The financial due 
diligence, the easiest thing to do because numbers don't lie, people lie, but it's all the other components to determine whether or not this is a good business and is going to continue to be a good business with you as the owner. And you have to invest the employees, the competitors, the industry, the market, the suppliers that, you know, and on and on it goes. <laughs> but in franchising, you have the, the most spectacular platform to do your due diligence because you have other franchisees. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it sounds to me like you're in my camp when I was a franchisor, I was certainly talking to our franchisors that I that I'm engaged with. I always say, you know, get anybody who's interested in, in making approaches to you, speak to three of your existing franchisees first. And that's a double benefit. Number one, it lets them get an understanding from the other side of the fence. It also motivates you to look after your franchisees. <laughs> but also, I suppose you can get feedback from your existing franchisees as to what they believe is the character of the person coming in. So it all adds to everybody's benefit and reduces risk. So I suppose talking about risk and mistakes, uh, let's pull this down to three. Can I ask you, what are the three biggest mistakes that prospective business buyers tend to make, Richard, from your experience? So this goes across the spectrum, whether it's a, an existing business or, or a franchise or a non-franchise you know, non or a franchise. Most individuals, you know, people look to acquire a business with franchise or otherwise to either generate or replace an income. That's most at the lower at the lower end of the market. That's typically what they're doing. And for some unknown reason, well, I say unknown reason because I'd like to think there's no logic attached to this, is they just jump in and start, you know, and the internet is a big culprit related to this. They just jump in and, and start with no experience, no knowledge, no expertise, no preparation, no criteria. And they start looking at all these, this generic information, which is of no value, or they're, you know, searching one franchise banner after the other, clicking, submitting, you know, an application or, or an inquiry and going to the next one and thinking the next one's better. So it's like, to me, it's akin to, you know, if you have a race and everyone starts at the starting block and the gun goes off and they're all running in different directions. No one knows where the finish line is. So they're all, every, it's, and it's, it's a big, big problem. So, you know, so that's the first part, you know, attacking this without a plan. The second thing is really, you know, they go by and large, they go into this with no idea what type of business is right for them. Yeah. And they spend an inordinate amount of time searching, trying to figure out which, if any, is right for them versus first determining the type or types that are most likely for their best for their skill set and then focusing their search accordingly. And the third part is, you know, this never ending quest for the perfect business. In my world of typically existing businesses, right? The statistics are just horrific. Over 90% of the people who begin the search to buy a business never complete a transaction. And when you take a look at those three, the lack of knowledge, lack of experience, lack of a plan and searching for, for have no clue what is right for them. And then this idea that they're going to find the perfect business. The perfect business doesn't exist. The only perfect business that exists is one that you haven't, that has not gone into operation yet. It's just other than that, every business has warts. Every business has blemishes. Yeah. Nothing's going to be perfect. And you have to be willing and understand that you've got to take that along with it. It's not going to be perfect. And if you're of the mindset that it's got to be perfect, you're probably not cut out for business ownership. The analogy is worn to death, but it's not unlike going into a personal relationship and that step into marriage. You know, there's always <laughs> there's always elements you never anticipated. And my goodness me, you know, <laughs> we all no, have <laughs> we we all have our blemishes. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, blemishes, warts and all. And and they're part of, you know, they're part of any business, just not going to be perfect. And yeah, in marriage, it's, uh, you know, as someone who's married a second time, I, I could agree with that. Although the second time I'm married for 22 years, so it's wonderful. But yes, that is correct. And I'm sure my ex-wife will tell you the same thing as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So you mentioned that I'm well aware anybody recruiting franchisees or selling franchises, selling businesses would be well aware of that statistic you mentioned about 90% of people who start the process never complete it. I suppose in your view, why is it that these people don't actually complete it? Is there a, can you put your finger on it? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that we touched upon earlier 
is this idea that going into this with no knowledge or expertise and the endless searching. Mm. So those are a couple of points. The other point is that people need to understand, especially in the existing businesses, franchise or not, good businesses sell fast, regardless of the economy. Yeah. If they've got good books and records and it's in a solid, stable business and the buyer pool is large, meaning that the business is such that it can transition well to a wider pool of individuals. There's no major issues like customer concentration and the like, right? They Those businesses in existing business are typically under contract in 30 days because there's such an enormous shortage of good businesses. And you have this unbelievable amount of people that are looking to buy businesses, like 15 buyers for every business, right? And so good businesses sell fast. So if you're not educated, you can't even act quickly. So the yeah. good ones will pass you by. And then, you know, dealing with uncooperative business brokers or financials that don't make sense, how to handle these, the never ending barrage of decisions that have to be made along the way, life-changing decisions, big mm. decisions, you know, and it's okay to make mistakes. You just don't want to make big ones. And so if you're not prepared and you don't have the knowledge and, and good businesses sell fast, so then you're not even prepared to do that. And then this idea that, you know, you, you oftentimes the people that you're dealing with on the other side are not very helpful or the numbers that need to be vetted, and you, you know, that, that are first represented. And this is infinitely more applicable in a, an existing business than a new franchise. And then there's, you know, how do you investigate the business? Because there's only one thing you have to learn. You got to learn everything. And the numbers are the least important part. I mean, they're important from a standpoint of whether or not they make sense, but they should be the quickest part of the investigation because they are or they aren't. It's math. I mean, numbers don't lie. So that part should be very simple. It's investigating everyone, every, um, everything else. And so when you weigh all those things in, in, in order of magnitude, if you will, and people go through this process, what happens invariably is they come through too many decisions that they're not prepared to answer or too many businesses that, that aren't great businesses at all or good businesses. They become overwhelmed, uncertain, and they abort. And then you just have another statistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad, but it's true. Actually, at this point, I might mention that, you know, particularly with franchising, there is, you know, there's a fairly broad view, I suppose, in the general public about franchising. It occasionally gets some bad publicity, disproportionate. I'm quite convinced of that. But there, there's, it also means you need to do your homework about what franchising is all about. And uh, that's where I'll, I'll give a, um, a quick tip to uh, to John Hayes, who I interview, have interviewed a couple of times here, um, an American. And um, I, know jo- I know John very, very well. Yeah, Take the Fear Out of Franchising is his book. And if yeah. you're looking at franchising or you're a franchisor looking to, to recruit franchisees, do get his book. It's available in Australia. And uh, Take the Fear Out of Franchising really comes up with the straight facts. It, it reinforces everything you've been saying, Richard. So um, and I suppose you mentioned about finding the right sort of business to you for you to suit, suit your skills, your temperament, that type of thing. So from that point of view, do you lean towards any particular franchise sectors, any particular industries, trades, professions that you think are the places to look? I don't, I'm, I would say I'm agnostic because it's so important that the individual has to be matched with the right business. And yeah. so, and when you take franchise, I mean, there's such a wide spectrum of them. And so for me, what I t- have been teaching and preaching to people is the following, which is whatever it is that you do best has to be the single most important driving factor of the revenue and profits of any business you consider purchasing. And so when people go about this, this hunt, one of the things, a big advantage in franchising is they can pick out three or four different types. And and meet with three or four different type, different
different franchisees. So let's say, for example, they, you know, and they have their own laboratory. So if you get three different franchise sectors, one could be in home cleaning, the other one can be landscaping, and the third one can be, you know, uh, restoration and mitigation services, three completely different businesses, but you're not sure what you want. So you can, if you take those three or four, for example, and you take three or four, meet with three or four franchisees in each, plus a franchisor, you suddenly have a laboratory of like 12 to 16 samples that you can pull upon and say, hey, can I see myself running this business? Do I like it? Can I see myself involved in this every day? Is it something that I'm going to wake up and feel proud about? And if it's not, it's like rinse and repeat, find three more, find three more sellers in each. And you look at, you know, you have another sampling of nine other, uh, other models to, to look at. And so to me, again, it's, I'm not uh, particular to anyone. Everything to me has to be based on the individual. You got to match the individual to the business. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the analogy to what you're describing there is if you, anyone's ever bought a, a property, bought a home, either a new one from display homes or an established one, it's a bit the same. You know, you go around all these places, you say, do we like this? Do we like that? The kitchen is not right. Blah, blah, blah. It's finding the home that you think suits you best, but you would know from having bought a home, presuming you did, that eventually you do have to make a few little compromises and you do need some help doing it, you know, and uh, it's very much the same thing. It is. It is, as a matter of fact, in my course, one of the examples I use is, is almost exactly that, saying when you go out and you're looking for homes, you typically walk in. I know in America here anyways, you walk in on the main floor, the agent gives you the listing sheet with the details, and you typically walk into the kitchen, and then you go visit the bedrooms, and then the bathrooms, or what have you. And very often you walk in, and it's like in, in four seconds, you know it's not for you. You go mm. to other ones, you spend your time looking around. So, you know, when you, you're looking around, at the, you look at 10 or 12 different houses, and some you've spent, you know, a minute in, other ones you've spent more time, yet somehow some way you walk into one house and in immediately you know it's the right one for you and it's yeah. a calm it just feels right and that's a combination of everything that you've extracted from this point you like this in this house you like that in that house you like the bigger garden in one you didn't want to have a garage in the front of the house the other one you want four but whatever it may be it's like the puzzle got added up and it's still not perfect but it, that's the one that made sense based on everything that you've done at that point it just feels right and the same thing happens with a business and it shouldn't be a gut feel of course because you have a lot that you have to quantify but if you do this exercise properly and devote the right amount of time and meet with enough business owners and enough different franchises, for example, and franchisees and franchisors, when the right one surfaces, you're going to know pretty quick. Mm, yes. Yeah, it is. Well, that's the, I suppose that that's the accumulated knowledge of people, yes. circumstances, suitability, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you know, if you, you, you mentioned earlier about funding, the truth is with an established franchise, you're going to find it often easier to find funding because the bank is going to like established cash flow. They can see Correct. they can see their repayments. They're there in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It's a combination of both. They like franchises, franchises yes. <laughs> versus non-branded businesses and mm. the existing cash flow. They have something to measure upon, right? I mean, and for those of you who are out there marketing franchises, I mean, this is a key point to remember when you're talking to prospective franchisees or buyers, whatever, that, you know, these are points to make um, that are really important. And also make sure when you're lining up your financiers who are there to ready to help your prospective buyers they really do understand these elements. In fact, you need to educate them about franchising. If you've got a broker working for you who doesn't really understand franchising, it's a battle because they're not going to be able to line them up. You know, it's like having the wrong coach. You don't want an American football coach on a baseball pitch. You know, it's not going Oh, absolutely. To... And you actually do the brand more harm than good. You know, the um, having the right representative representing your brand and understanding what you stand for and what you're really looking for in an individual. Because ultimately, the successful franchise 
franchise franchises, franchisors, right? They make sure that they're always working on doing great by the brand. Some of them are, you know, somewhat opposed to selling the existing one. They want to sell a new one. Well, I, I get that because, you know, they get they get the fees and what have you. But the goal from a franchisor's perspective, and I've met with so many of them over the years, is you want terrific, terrific operators in your system. And so mm. if there's a real good operator who could you know, bring value to the to the system, right? It doesn't matter whether they buy a new one or an existing one, right? And, and especially at the beginning when you have to churn through some franchisees who may not be the right people as you're growing, you know, understanding the worth of a buyer, right? From the eyes of a franchisor is really, you know, is, is, is really, really important because that individual buyer may not want to acquire a new one, but it's worth getting them into the system. Yeah. I remember when I was talking to Michael Gerber, I interviewed him four or five years ago now, probably a bit more. But one of his comments when we were chatting was that in his view, when you look at people in business, you know, one plus one equals three, because you get that second person come in or, or the 20th or the 30th, and they bring another element to the collective brain power and ingenuity and creativity that really makes an organization so so powerful, so strong. And, and that's the same, you can draw analogies to the cows come home. The same analogy yes. applies to everything, every Indeed, school, Right. Every, by, and large it, by and large, it does. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it certainly does. I agree. Yeah. So um, from the point of view, you mentioned oh, the, the, the options out there are huge. You've mentioned a few points that people need to, to be conscious about and people are their own worst enemies when it comes to that. So most people will ignore the advice you've given. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life, right? That's step number one. But what do you think? Can you narrow down? What's the best way for an individual to narrow down which franchise banner, which franchise type really is best for them? Do you have a system or a process? Or a, what, yeah, I think it, 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 I think it dovetails specifically on what I said earlier, that pick out three that you think are going to be of interest to you and, and meet with franchisees, right? And at the same time, I think prospective franchisees need to understand that um, there are always going to be um, disgruntled franchisees within a system. You know, mm. if you go meet with a, you know, you have the, the best franchises in the world, you'll meet with enough of the franchisees. There's a few of them, are, you know, pardon my friends that are going to be really pissed off for whatever reason, because they, most of the time I found that people believe that they're just going to open up the door and the money's going to, you know, start ripping through the cash register and into their pockets, right? They don't have to do any of the work because it's a franchise and that's everything. The recipe is all set. No, you still have to, you still have to do the cooking. And so to me, speaking with the franchisees is really, really important. And that's a huge advantage over a, a non-franchised business. But I, I, I have found that when individuals, when they're not sure, pick out a few categories I've talked about a few minutes ago, pick out a few categories that are of interest to you and explore those categories. You know, there's so much information available from franchisors. And I don't know necessarily the laws exactly in Australia, even though my wife's from Melbourne, I should know a little more. And we do have an Australian version of our program. But um, the, I, I know in America, we need to get the hold of the FDDs and the detail. I mean, there's so much that can be learned, right? As opposed to non-franchise businesses where it's, it's a lot of hunting at night. And so with franchise, there's a lot more clarity. And so getting your hands on that FDD, speaking to franchisees and speaking to franchisors. And personally, I like speaking, you know, um, even though I do intermediary work in brokerage, I think individuals have to take their time to find the right intermediary. Because oftentimes there's a lot of companies I know here in America that offer this type of services that help you identify the type of franchises that's right for you. I think you really need to find someone who you fundamentally believe their heart is in the right place. And they're not just looking to sell you any business. They want to sell you the right one for you. And so I, I, I would take my time with making sure that I like and trust that person. But I do believe between a combination of being able to visit existing franchises plus franchisors, plus some of these intermediaries, I mean, there is a wealth of learning that can be done to really help you narrow down the focus. And and, and I also think you need to attach some time to it. You know, for, I believe someone could buy a business from start to finish following our material. The average person takes six months, which is 
four months looking, 60 days to close. It, it could take longer, I guess, in a new franchise till if it's a build out or what have you. But you need to also set a time limit because if not, it comes in, it's it's an endless looking expedition, right? Because there's so much information out there, right? And so you you always feel like, they, you know, I'm going to double click and find something else. So I think people have to attach, you know, force themselves to put a timeline on this. And those individuals over the years that I've been dealing with for three decades, the individuals that need to buy a business are the people that buy businesses. The people that want a business, want to buy a business, a few of those buy. But the ones that have this, you know, sense that I need to buy something, they get to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. Look, that that one of those one of the human failings comes in here, procrastination, because <laughs> as you say, that's a very good point, actually. And I've not heard anybody say it in that way before. But the fact that you mentioned, you know, put a timeline on it because you need to discipline yourself. Otherwise, yeah. if you're not answerable, then, um, you know, it just drags on and on. And, and then you really miss the opportunities. It's as simple as that. So you've got to make one choice. It's a bit like a kitty in the candy store, isn't it? You know, you can choose whatever you like, mayhem, run around, grab everything, but hang on, you've only got two minutes. Right. That's and- that's the plan. You got to set it. <laughs> Absolutely. Buy whatever you want, do whatever you want, go completely bonkers, but we're out of here in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's excellent. Richard, it's been delightful talking with you. I really enjoyed it. And I hope we can catch up again because you're such a, a source of knowledge and informa- information. Uh, I'd like to just uh, ask, is there anything, any closing points that you think we may have overlooked that I've missed in my questions here you'd like to add to our conversation today? Well, you ask great questions. You've obviously been doing this for a long time and have a, a wealth of knowledge as well. And I appreciate the feedback. The one thing that I try to implore upon people is, you know, if you're toying with this idea of going into business, whether it be a franchise or not a franchise, whatever the case may be. A lot of people you know, spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it. You know, To me, I bought a lot of businesses. It's changed my life. I think people owe it to themselves to at least explore whether or not it makes sense. Like sitting on the sideline thinking about it is just a waste of time. There's so many great resources that are available. And the world of entrepreneurship for me is, is the greatest. I mean, it, it, you know, never having to work for a boss again, building some value, uh, being able to help the lives of others and a sense of contribution. And I, as I build value, I can sell it for a lot more than I paid for it down the road. So there, you know, the benefits are very easy to convince someone that they're so wonderful, it's worth pursuing. But yet people still are apprehensive because it's, you know, they're worried, am I giving up a job? And, or, you know, maybe I'm just buying a job. Well, there's nothing wrong with that either. If you're just buying a job, but you happen to love the job. So I think all those naysayers, because you come across a lot of people that are negative and convince you not to do it because they're afraid of doing it or they want to see you take the risk. I just believe, first of all, anybody can do this. This is not sending men to the moon. It's just you got to do it in a methodical way. And I think people really need to, they really owe it to themselves to at least learn about it. And if they decide they don't want to do it, then don't do it. But not to at least invest the, invest the time to learn about it, I think is horrific. Yeah. And uh, you made a good point there about the naysayers. You know, everybody will know someone in the family, your next door neighbor, the butcher from over the road, the solicitor from up the street, who will say, oh no, business. You know, people went into business, people went into franchising, people go broke. You've got to just have the self-confidence and determination and the grit to actually make the decision yourself. And whether it's yes or no, you've got to live with it. Yeah, Absolutely. And you know what? Entrepreneurs always involve some element of risk. You do your best to mitigate it. And But if you go through the process, you I don't know about you, but over my career, I've met people that own businesses. I don't even know how they can tie their shoes, right? And yet they own these <laughs> successful businesses. And yeah. so sometimes that's the best incentive, right? Say, my God, if they can do it. Or there's other businesses where you come across, I can't believe they're even, like they're in business in spite of themselves. And so those are all opportunities. And so to me, I mean, you really owe it to yourself to to explore it because you, I think most people who are on the fence will be shocked how do, how attainable this is. Yes, and particularly I see that with some established 
franchises and businesses where the people, they've done quite well, the business is successful, but they're not really the right fit. So there's scope there to take that business up to another level and add to your capital gain. So that's really making money overnight. Yeah, immediately. Absolutely. You add value immediately. So um, you got this wonderful program that was recommended to me some time ago, how to buy a good business at a great price. So I know obviously people are interested can certainly have a look at that. But if people do want to get in touch with you, have a look at your information. I do know you offer a lot of free advice and, and, and so on and so forth. Can you just tell me where people can go and what your sort of resources are that may attract them to go there? Because I would encourage everyone to do it because uh, Richard is rather a standout, I think, in the space he operates in. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So the website is easy. It's richardparker.com. There's hundreds of articles related to buying a business and all of the various steps in the process from just thinking thinking about it through to dealing with business brokers, to negotiation, to valuation, to due diligence, where to search, how to search, what to look for, et cetera, questions to ask the seller, visiting the business. You know, and one pe- thing I want your listeners to understand, I didn't go into this, bu- I went into this business by accident. I just wanted to, mem- <laughs> I wanted to memorialize all of my years of files and to either, you know, to eventually help either one person buy the right business or avoid buying the wrong one. I mean, that was the genesis of why I went into this business. I never in my wildest dreams thought that this was going to turn into business and sell a hundred thousand copies. I still shake my my head. And so my agenda has always been, you know, the night before my we launched this and I've been around for 20 years, the course gets updated all the time. My, you know, my answer to my wife when she said, how many think you're going to sell? I said, I just hope I sell one and help someone, you know, do the right, buy the buy, right business or avoid buying the wrong one, as I said. And so my agenda has always been to help people. I'm still happy to get on the phone or answer anybody's email. I never charge them. If they, you know, have any questions about the stage of my life, I, you know, not touch wood, as we say in America, I've done really well and I'm really happy to just help people. So any of your listeners, you know, it's tons of free articles. And if they have any questions, use the contact us page and just mention on the contact page, you want to make sure the email, the contact gets routed to me and I'm happy to help anybody. We're definitely two of like minds. We started Franchise Simply for exactly the same reasons. That's amazing. The same sort of, if you like, uh, genius behind it. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. well, that's debatable, but you know, <laughs> for both on both of our sides, but well, let's stop with that because we paid ourselves a good compliment. So that's good. Yeah. I think one thing you've heard, picked up today from Richard and I know I bang on the drum about it. But you know, it's collaboration really is what it's down to. You've got to be, you've got to be, I think, confident and bold enough to actually humble enough to seek collaboration rather than trying to do it on your own. Because there's huge opportunities, huge resources out there, and you need to find the right group of people around you as your mentors and so on. So, uh, yes. and Richard would be, you couldn't find better than Richard. That, I don't think. So. Thank you very much. I pre- that's very kind of you. So it's been lovely talking to you. I hope everybody's been scribbling lots of notes. If not, of course, you can always listen to this again. And uh, remember, richardparker.com and all those resources and so on. So it's been delightful talking to you, Richard. I've really enjoyed it. I look forward to catching up with you again sometime. And uh, would say thanks very much and enjoy your evening while I look forward to my day. Wonderful. And thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it and I hope we can reconnect again soon. Yeah, lovely. Okay, thanks again. And bye, everybody. Catch you on our next Franchise Radio Show.